fold. I should not be mm-hmm. teaching you how to fold clothes in second period. That's that. Right. That's that's not no no. Hey, what's up? Oh, yeah. Hello and welcome, 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 welcome. Um, Nate, uh, and we're here live right now at Theater Projects for a real nigga show. Um, and we are preparing, I'm preparing for uh, our preview night. If that's what it is. COVID has shut down a lot of. Um, uh, well, shut down theaters as it pertains to, and we're just starting to do soft openings. So we'll have a limited audience tonight, a very limited audience tonight. And then tomorrow we'll go into a full, um, a full live stream of the production where you can be at home and watch production as you would watch Netflix or Hulu or uh, one of those streaming networks. So we'll be streaming live. You can go to Eventbrite, um, at a real nigga show and purchase the tickets. Uh, they're $18 uh, and you'll be sent out a link, uh, I think two hours and then uh, 10 minutes before the show where you can link log on and be able to do it. You'll be able to log on between 6.30 and seven and then at seven o'clock the show will start. I think at 6.55 the show will technically start and um, we'll be on it. But uh, this is an unfortunate so um, I don't know if um, Curtis will be joining us as of yet. Uh, I haven't heard from him, so hopefully he'll vlog on while um, I'm talking, but uh, it's kind of a bittersweet moment. Um, it's always hard when you lose someone, but specifically when you lose a younger person, it's very difficult. And I wanna say it was Wednesday, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Martique um, passed away and Martique wasn't even 30 yet. So it's very unfortunate. And I've watched him grow from a really young teenager to a grown man married with a family. Uh, and it really is unfortunate that uh, I have to say this, but it is, um, it is, you know, death is, you know, inevitable. It's something that we're all promised. Uh, and as I get older, I'm getting more and more comfortable with the idea and the notion that we all have that that day, that time, that hour, that moment uh, that we don't know. Um, and accepting uh, death and uh, life uh, is hard for some people. This is, I, I don't think it's, it doesn't hurt as much. Um, only be, and it's not because I'm so used to death, but um, death is inevitable. Like I said, it's a promise. But um, just me- remembering uh, Martique is a, um, this pauses me. And I've been uh, really quiet the last couple of days and not really um, as active. Um, and this pandemic has, has given me a sense of just stillness and and uh, just quiet um, in the midst of storms. We watching all these clips online of, of people being shot and killed and protests and um, people losing their lives uh, to COVID-19 um, and just a lot of confusion and mis- misinformation and you know, our political system it seems like it's all just in a mosh pit at this point. Um, so going through this is, is I am approaching, uh, I guess, my morning in this moment a lot differently than I would um, in different circumstances. Um, I didn't want to be hype, like overly upset or um, uh, part broken over this as I would been before because his life was so much more. He always had a lot of energy. He was always a very positive person. Um, 
and he was re very serious about his craft. So it really, uh, it feels uncomfortable to mourn in this moment. It's sad. It was a, definitely a shock um, and a surprise. Um, and we were in the midst of um, rehearsing, uh, uh, in rehearsal when we uh, all found out. And he is a dear friend and little brother to many of us. Um, he has uh, two children and a wife that he left behind. Um, and it's just, um, it's crazy. You almost don't want to be uh, quiet about it uh, because it seems so unfair that someone's so young. Um, but I'm, you know, looking for the message. I'm always trying to find the message um, in in the things that we're going through right now. And it's really, um, I'm at loss of words. Even me explaining it right now, I'm, I feel like I'm all over the place and friends over the course of the last two days. And it's, um, it's been um, because uh, the moment that we're in right now, everybody doesn't feel as comfortable being around each other and being in each other's presence. So it, it feels a little different morning now, but ultimately because of the person he was, I don't think it's going to be a sad situation um, because he was so um, energetic and really one of those people that we, you know, it's cliche to say, but loved by all. Uh, and really, um, this, it, it just leaves me at awe and facing all the things that we're going through right now, it's just not worth it. Um, I posted um, a grad post on social media and just saying, you know, basically saying just give people their flowers while you still have the moment, the moments with them, while you can still experience time with them you still can touch them and talk to them and be in their presence um and this pandemic that we're in right now doesn't make that easier because we've all been keeping our distance um but call people more you know even if it's somebody that you know you've had a falling out with or you've had an argument with or whatever that may be you know find find the words to either give yes um, which can be devastatingly hard and difficult for many of us. I know personally, it does hurt um, it, when someone has done something to you to to welcome them. But um, I was just uh, on a con another person's post that was very angry at the mother once again, uh, the family member who decided to forgive the officer who shot the young man in his back. Um, and she chose to forgive. And my argument in that thread was, sorry, uh, my argument on that thread was, you know, forgiveness is very little about the other person who has done the hurting or harm um, and is more for the person who has been harmed. Uh, to be able to move forward. Often, you know, we walk around with these hard hearts and these uh, personalities because we have to let go of things. Um, and that's one of the things in the last two years that I've vowed to um, do more of, and it's forgive and let go and be at peace. Um, even if we can't pick up where we left off or start over, uh, because forgiveness doesn't mean that I forgot. Um, and forgiveness doesn't mean that I can now trust you or be in your presence or allow you in my space. But often for forgiveness is, um, it is something that we have to do for ourselves. So we are not walking around on our shoulders. Uh, and then that, that cycle of uh, hurt people hurting other people. Um, and, and it's just going to become a cycle. So you're going to unleash that anger and frustration and hurt on someone else. And it's not really intended for them or you're giving them the
the bits and pieces that you want was wasn't able to let go any other time. Um, <clears throat> so it definitely is. Um, it's it's that moment, and I, I think we all should begin to practice that art of forgiveness slash letting go. Um, and you have to uh, do those things um, together. You cannot forgive and not let go. You can't let go and not forgive um, because it's, it's, it won't go anywhere to stay attached to you. Um, and I guess that's, you know, kind of something I've been meditating over. Not that myself and Martique had any bad blood. We actually had an awesome conversation. Just last week, I last spoke to him um, and it was our normal conversation, debating and, you know, weird conversation that ended in debates and, and such. Um, but in moments like this, we have to um, find the lesson and in the lesson um, because I don't like being overly upset, whether it be in any um, emotion. I don't like to be overly, I think it's, is a waste of energy sometimes. Um, and I'm not doubting anybody else's process, but for me, um, I've just learned how to be calm. It's, it's easy for me to go off or uh, pop off, if you will, but I'm just learning how to just practice my space time and be able to um, deal with life as it comes. So I'm not having this you know, roadblock as I move forward. Um, a lot of us are getting into heated arguments and, and debates via um, politics, via social justice issues like Black Lives Mattering. Um, and to kind of segue a little bit into that, um, me and uh, Curtis had had some conversations about certain entities and certain ideas rather, um, related to Black Lives Mattering. And we kind of have a difference of opinion um, on some of those issues. And I actually met a couple of people over the last week who also feel that way. And it it's amazing to me that when we say Black Lives Matter, the opposition always feels that we are excluding other people's lives mattering. Um, and I think it's uh, a strange thing that we, we individuals do um and it's in no way shape or form from my perspective does the argument of black lives mattering diminish any other culture or race of people because ultimately we're one race we are a human race you know let's get that that cliche out there but uh, I, I think we fall into the trap of not respecting someone's personal struggle because we don't feel included in that struggle. Uh, it's a thing of um, if I tell you I'm hurting, you say, well, I'm hurting too. And that's fine. But in this moment, we were having a conversation about the things that I was feeling. Uh, and, and right now, the idea of Black lives mattering uh, is the conversation at hand. Um, and I think... Um, I guess I'm specifically talking to those Black people who are siding with the all lives matter argument um, that's being, you know, included in uh, to Black lives mattering. Um, and every time this, this argument spikes, it's on the back of yet another person being killed at the hands of a police officer. And I understand that there's black on black crime, just like there's white on white crime, and there's crime in general. But there's a problem that we're having right now, and nobody is willing to address it. And as a black man, I am very uncomfortable being in a world where I can't over my, the treatment of people who look like me, of myself, without the rebuttal of, well, all lives matter. Well, that goes without saying, but in this moment, we're having a conversation about my life 
and the lives of people who look like me not mattering to the powers that be, to the to the world at large, because this idea of black discrimination is not a United States problem. You know, it's a worldwide problem. And we've seen it in many of the uprisings um, across the world. People are not just siding with the United States, black African-Americans, um, but they are resisting to what is currently happening to them in their country and their part of the world. Um, and it's happening everywhere. Uh, and it just upsets me that people that look like us can't find the, the argument to say uh, or can't side in this moment. And it's not even about taking sides. It's more so respecting that this thing is this thing right here is happening. Yeah, there's other things that are happening that may be similar or just as bad or worse. But right now, the conversation is here. Um, and the whole lives of blue lives mattering, it, it, it goes without saying, but if they're not effectively doing their job well, I, I just don't see it mattering. Um, other pressing issues right now that I seem, that seem to be, other pressing issues that I'm, I'm finding right now, that I had with um, a young lady, um, well, this young lady who, uh, I don't know if she currently works for the organization, but she, uh, was having a conversation about us fitting in at the table. And I felt uh, compelled to respond to her, her argument because we have this thing of always wanting to fit in, always wanting to be a part of, um, wanting to be a part of the, the others and, 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 and their resources and their system when the system doesn't necessarily want us to be involved. And I know I'm, I'm kind of jumping over, but it's kind of blending into us again. And it's unfortunate that we're in a space where we always want to be a part of someone else's system. And it's more so us Black people always wanting to, and more specific, I'm gonna be very specific, as artists, especially in a city like Baltimore, we have a thing where we always want to be um, counted or a part of the, the successful branch of the arts or whatever that may be, whether it be being with a specific um, organization or um, a part of a project or a certain arts organization, company, so have you. Um, and I have a problem with that one because my experience recently and just over the course of me being a working artist, I found that we are only necessary when the grant uh, requires that you have a certain level of diversity or specific type of individual or type of project or type of content. Um, and it really, um, it is uncomfortable to be in a space where we are made to feel that we have to be a part of the white organization to to make it um and i, I think if we pulled a lot of our resources and the, the young lady uh she made a valid point but she made a point as, as because she's a person who gets to sit at these tables and but because of the decisions that are being made at the table, she's still affected by it. And I, I just want us to figure out a way where we can collectively create our own systems, where we're not a slave to um, the way other organizations do things. Like here in, in Baltimore, there are a number of uh, organizations that kind of are the gatekeepers to opportunities project-based success. Um, and it's unfortunate that we are just held held to it. And I'm, I'm personally um, trying to 
figure out ways to not just do things on my own, but to find individuals that are like-minded, that look like me, that come from where I come from, that can create and, and make opportunities and uh, give opportunities and succeed. You know, I've been trying hard to build the artist exchange as a platform where it's not just another another organization or another artist trying to be creative, to, tr to try to create, but an uh, organization where we're giving opportunities to individuals. I work very hard to create opportunities for other people. And it's just, it feels like we don't trust each other. And it's really greed and, and ego and um, greed and ego and I don't, I don't, I can't really explain it, but we are not good at working with each other. And I, uninteresting enough, a couple months ago, I had a conversation with uh, myself and Troy Burton and um, DDM. And DDM made a comment. He said, often we, in, in, in romantic relationships and business relationships and platonic relationships, we often gravitate towards other cultures because we don't want to deal with the stuff that we had in others. So the drama of getting along or baggage, or we would rather deal with that from others because we, in our, in our mind, other people don't deal with the stuff that black people have to go through. So we often lean on other races, other cultures of people to succeed in uh, our pursuits, our business, our art, our work. Um, and it's very unfortunate that we feel that way because we are not allowing ourselves to to really grow with each other, to really succeed with each other, be in a space uh, where we can grow and, and not be dependent on, on other people to, um, and not be dependent on other people to succeed. Um, and it, it, this is all coming full circle because these are many of the conversations that I've had with, with my friend um, Martique and and us being black men and wanting to succeed in a world where we have to fit a specific um, uh, shape or size or complexion or demeanor or attitude or level of masculinity. Like we're always being told that we, we have to conform to this one thing to be accepted by others. And we are fueling that fire from within our culture by telling ourselves that we're not good enough, telling each other. You know, I purposely, as an artist, decided to go to a, a university, a college that uh, looked like me, sound like me, had representation that looked like me. Um, and me being in that school, I, I had the same people who were being paid to nurture my potential dissecting me and others and and telling us that we're not good but in many parts it was them preparing us for what the world was going to do with us but for me it was backwards thinking because if if that is what we have to deal with in general why not then teach us how to build our own why not teach us how to develop our own system of doing things in terms of being an artist why do I have to, why do I, why does the pinnacle of my success have to be Broadway? Why, why can't it be another black led group of theaters that I can perform? Why does having an equity card mean, you know, my success? It's been in the news and, and many topics of the whole system with the award system. You know, many of those organizations, if not all of them, are white-led. Um, and why do I, why does having a Tony or Oscar or Grammy mean my success over a BET award or an NAACP image award, so on and so forth? Um, and it really, um, it speaks to how we look at our own, um, our own products, our own um, things. And it just really, um, I don't know, I, I, I wanna, I wanna um, 
start the conversation on how we can build with each other. Um, every time I create a project for myself, I always find at least one or two, if not more of my friends, my artist friends, to partner with, to bring in on the project. And not because I fear doing, th doing things by myself, but when we have these opportunities, like Marnie could have left big exposed in his home with just him. He didn't have to open it up for other shows or other people to be able to come on this platform and build their shows or build a brand or, you know, that trickles down to but what benefit would it have really been to just been him? Not to say that he's not enough, but what benefit would it have been for it to just be him? Um, it's, it's been a struggle for me in these last five months and me thinking selfishly. It's been a real struggle because I want to um, work, I, I naturally, I'm a theater artist. So theater artists are ensemble based artists, meaning we, uh, we thrive off of a team of people. You know, in, in, in a theater, you need a stage manager, you need a stage crew, you need all of these elements that make up uh, a production. You need actors, you need the lighting, the sound, a tech person. You know, you need makeup, you need costumes, you need all those elements that make up a, uh, a system of, of, that we call theater. So I, it's hard for me to then create in a space where it's just me, where it's, you know, this narrow scope of vision, but more so uh, figuring out a way to, to then create for all of us. It's very hard for me to think of an idea that doesn't include somebody that I know that could. So I, I, I guess the, the question will then be, you know, how do we then begin to build those uh, bridges with each other. And I think it starts with trust. I think many of us don't trust each other. And it's been based off our experiences. It's been based off of um, um, self-hatred. You know, it's unfortunate. You know, and me and Curtis have this conversation a lot where we, um, we talk a lot about um, he, he wants to focus on getting us healthy in terms of what we eat. And I keep telling him, before you can deal with how someone eats, you have to think about their mental health, their physical health, their financial health. Because if I don't, I don't have the money to eat healthy, I can't think about eating healthy. If I mentally, I am tied into a system of whenever something bad happens, I eat. Whenever something good happens, I eat. Whenever there's a birthday or wedding or a celebration, we eat. If that's in my mindset, then it doesn't matter how much money I have. <laughs> it really doesn't, you know. Uh, so getting, figuring out our mental health first and attaching that to, because it has with how we think, what we've been taught things that we can't really touch. So it's a mental thing. Um, it really just depends on um, the individual, but I, th I think we need to, a lot of our issues will be solved once we get to a um, softer space in terms of how we think. And then we can worry about money health, and then we can worry about our, uh, I guess our healthy, you know, eating health and, and such and such. Um, I don't know, today this just feels different. Um, thinking about, you know, the last couple of days I've been thinking a lot about life and how it pertains to the things I wanna do, my goals, the, the aspirations that I have. And it's just difficult um, having to think about those things in the midst of pandemic, where we where things are uncertain, we don't really know uh, what the next couple months are going to be, let alone what the next year is going to be. We're in the midst of uh, election season, so we don't know, you know, 
people want this to happen and people want this to happen and none of it makes sense together. Um, we're in a health crisis, you know, uh, a lot of people we don't know how that's been affecting certain people mentally and, and physically. Um, and me, I've been, you know, now that it's safer to, safer, not safer, safer, to go to the doctor's office, been doing a lot of like, I went to get a vision test today and went to the dentist um, beginning of the week and a physical, my physical last week. So me trying to figure out those things, so keep those things in line, but still focus on like my mental health, my spiritual health and making sure all those things are aligned in a space where we are, um, where I'm getting everything that I need. Um, and just planning more. Um, this project that we're working on now, you see the banner behind me, it's really put a lot of things as a black man into perspective. Um, so mental health is really important to me. It's something that I've tried for a long time to, um, I guess, focus on or um, make um, my priority. I don't think enough of us make that a priority um, because we have, you know, we got to work, we got to pay bills, we got to, you know, go on vacation, we got to care X, Y, Z, we got to, we always have to, we always put other things before our mental health. And then when things happen, when a breakdown happens, we're forced to deal with it, everything else crumbles because we haven't made a balance in life or in our space to um deal with deal with it. So I guess a, a question that I may have, um, and please comment in the comment section. Um in the last 30 days, what have you done for your mental health? Um outside of a therapist, um do you meditate, do you journal? Do you have healthy conversations with loved ones, families, a partner? Um, how do you deal with stress? Um, how has this pandemic been on your mental health? And I know that's a lot of questions at once, but um, it's, it's things that I've been thinking about. I just, um, I was given a journal. Well, going back was a little bit. So, Part of what I decided to do was to journal um, and to journal and to um, write a book. The book has been uh, about wanting to do something, but um, I guess being afraid to expose me. Um, so it was going to be something fictional. It, it started out being a book about just my experiences and then that turned into me being uncomfortable and me wanting to, um, write a book about, um, these stories I have or, uh, trying to figure out, um, what, um, those things that I wanted to, Put into the book. So it took me a minute to think about how to approach um, topics or subject matter or what to add, what not to add, what's too personal, what shouldn't be shared, what I didn't feel comfortable sharing. Um, because many of those stories involve loved ones or friends or family members and just figuring out how to create a story based on that um, and how to house that into a book that is, um, how to house that into a book. And I'm really comfortable at this point, I'm with a really great editor and um, shout out uh, to another friend of mine who have come up with a, a really cool concept uh, and, and helped me to, um, deal with, um, 
deal with writing. Um, well, I think I froze a little bit. Uh, but so we'll be deal we'll be working on that, and I'll be um, giving some some information as the journey as this process goes on, rather. Um, and it's it's a cool concept for me because it's something that I've never done before. Writing a book is something I've never done before, but writing is something that I haven't always felt um, as comfortable with. Um, but I definitely wanted to try it. I wanted to um, figure out a way to incorporate um, some of the life lessons that I've been given and learning and, and growing with. So with that being said, this has just been um, um, just an interesting process. This last week has been interesting. This last, we're in month number five, going into month number six now. Um, it's been an interesting journey. Um, I guess Curtis isn't going to be joining me today. So um, just a little bit about my focus um, with the Artist Exchange. I never intended for this to be kind of my personal reality show, uh, but more and more the lessons that I've been gathering over the time that I've been with Be Exposed has definitely turned into somewhat of a reality show and, and that I'm able to go through things, experience things, feel things, and um, be able to share that with an audience um, and guests. Um, so I've been thinking uh, about in terms of what moving forward looks like, um, because this seems like this will be our way of transmitting um, the show or doing the show for the time being. And I just want to um, I want to make it more not so much Iyanla fix my life, but um, really beneficial to artists, not just in the area of marketing and branding, but also creating creating a platform where it then becomes a platform for people to create and partner and work. And that's been kind of the theme uh, all along, you know, how to do that and really be impactful for it. In a moment right now where I feel like I don't really want to be a part of um, the white art scene and I want to, you know, figure out ways to create as a Black artist, um, as a man and, and as a male creator and figuring out how to do that with the resources that I have versus trying to be a part of this white organization to get their refund, re resources and, and um, notoriety and all those things, but re reimagining what it looks like for the artist exchange. Um, and I've, I have some ideas. The book is kind of um, one part of it. Um, me branching out in spaces that I would not normally branch out. Um, different types of interviews, like you saw a lot of the interviews we did for a real nigga show and really going beyond what the surface of the content is and really digging a little bit deeper into that. Um, Um, yes. If you have not already done so, please go to Eventbrite um, at a real nigga show. Purchase your tickets. Um, it'll be like again. You'll be able to log in uh, between six thirty. Don't be sending me messages 6. like that. <laughs> no, really. Like I don't. I don't. I don't. I'm not. A, um. That's Monty, by the way, because people <laughs> don't can't see him. His voice just appears out of nowhere. But um, I am in my mind, and I'm I'm an overthinker anyway. But this is just weird because 
somebody who was just here a few moments ago not being here mm-hmm. um it just made me reach out to people who i don't generally not so much think about but in your day-to-day life you come a you know your friends your family people you work with you come in contact with them but it's not hey i got a plan time and now this pandemic has made it easier for introverts to do that less even mm-hmm. less than what we had to do before mm-hmm. so i'm just trying to figure out how to gauge my emotions in this moment because i don't feel like just busting out into tears but just really being honest about how this feels because i'm in the midst of a show that is growing experiences but hmm, i think about his children and i'm speaking about martique again but I'm just thinking about children. I was trying to talk through this mm. and it's just not, it's not authentic to me. It's not, I can't ignore like the elephant in the room at the moment, so to speak. But it's really, um, it's crazy because we're in the midst of mm-hmm. all of this going on and life has not stopped. You know, life continues to to, to move on and it's just um, an unreal thought to know that somebody's so young mm-hmm. is not here anymore. And I'm not like, can't like deal, but I can't deal at the same time. It's, it's weird to think, cause I don't deal with emotions in this way. And it's forcing me to deal with emotions in a way that I'm not used to dealing with them. Um, the show must go on, you know, work must still go on, but um, we gotta learn how to just take time to feel We've grown into this microwave community where everything is just moving and it's so fast and there's no time to reflect. There's no time to deal with um, life. And we just move from one situation, often one bad situation to the next bad situation, and we just deal with it. Um, And I think Black people need to stop that. We need to, you know, allow ourselves to be in a space where we don't have control and not feel uncomfortable about that. Like I I like to be in control of my space. Mm -hmm. And if I don't feel like I have control, that's uncomfortable. And that's weird because I'm always telling other people to find comfort in the discomfort, but to apply that to your own life makes it harder and difficult. So um, I think I'm going to end the show this moment um and i'll be coming back on monday i probably be a little bit better because i'll have um a young lady with me who was also of his martiques um and we'll be talking a lot about what she's doing um what she's doing in life um miss tiara strickland she'll be joining us on monday but this is this weird it is, um, I feel things. A lot of people don't think I feel, but I feel things, but it's just weird. Um, because black men, we're, we're always being told we have to fit ourselves into this box of, um, I don't even know what it is, but the, the box is so small and we have limited reactions that we're looking for, that we're allowed to have. So, you know, even me, the artist, you know, Nate, I know I don't fit a lot of those stereotypes, but even for me, I feel like I've been put into a box of me wanting to make other people feel comfortable. So I kind of shrink a little bit to make that possible. And in this moment, um, it's, it's hard to do that because his character, Martin's character wasn't a person who kind of restricted himself. He allowed himself to do the things that people didn't think he would do, but just by the surface of who he was. So I think I'm going to just take the weekend and finish this production and um, deal with some things. And um, I don't know, come back Monday with a a different um, energy. Um, And I think right now, just because there's a lack of information, surrounding all of this and we just were given the 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 thing that happened with very little like 
what's happening and what's going on. And so it just feels like, what are we supposed to be doing? Um, but I don't normally, um, I never just like halted a show before. I normally like push through, even if I wasn't feeling well. Then I don't feel in the same way. I feel like, um, you said what? You said what, Moni? My mic was totally off, so I never said a word. <laughs> I heard, I heard something. So I'm not knocking. It wasn't me. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've never um, I've never wanted to leave a show before. I feel weird. Mm-hmm. I have a whole like syllabus of things that we were supposed to talk about today. I don't know what happened to Curtis, but um, I was prepared despite, but um. What was one of the things? Um, um, I guess just um, hmm. I, I mean, the whole purpose of today was to really go over some of the political mm-hmm. stuff, and I'm just drained from that. I, I've never been more yeah, drained. I took the whole week off from um, from politics. Yeah, like it just it's too much because there's too many things attached to it. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm feeling more embarrassed about being an American than anything. Election times is normally a time where we're normally energized and you know, we but it's not You know what I'm I'm, I'm I can say that I'm, I'm upset still, about right now. Oh yeah. Um mm-hmm. I I mean I'm kinda I was kinda for it. But then I'm kind of upset that they they still went through with this today, the march. In light of 170,000 people last dead. Day. Huh? This the, last, this the last day for the RNC, right? No, that was yesterday. It's over. Mm. But no, I'm talking about the MLK march today, the 20th anniversary. Yeah, because I figured that they was the last day for it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I thought that's just why they was doing it. No, no, they, you know, I don't know. I just wish they wouldn't have I don't think they keep giving people an ammunition they keep giving the ammunition for us to talk about us in the light that we don't care about the virus either and that's not even the case there's a lot of people that don't believe it's real though until your family member dies and that's the sad part right or until you die or you're dying and then we don't care about you dying and then the cycle continues. We have mm-hmm. all, and then you know the statistics that you die the most, <laughs> yeah. but you still piled up in DC, thousands and thousands of people. There's a lot people. of people who have just let it go as if it was like another pop culture story. Mm-hmm. Like that's. Because I, I, I understand, that's why I said I understand it in one light and I understand it in the other light. The other light meaning the COVID is still out there. The, uh, and then the other light meaning that I know we're struggling right now as Black people. Mm-hmm. And that we need to have our voices heard. I just don't know if the risk is worth the method. <laughs> yeah. It's not really. It's really not. It's, it's very unfortunate that we're at this space in the midst mm-hmm. of a pandemic, and I, I don't know how this all added up with a pandemic and a election season at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's just weird, and it just feels like we're not... It, I, I've literally had a conversation with someone last night, and he doesn't believe that this is real. Mm-hmm. Like, us being in quarantine was a joke, and we were being brainwashed, and it's it we're blurring the lines of reality and just bs and everything is starting to be like overlapping and the same and it's it's hard to know what to believe or who to trust because information is coming out from this person and this person and he took the power away from the cdc and this doctor who was supposed to be the foremost he replaced that with a person who was a nurse like it I can't believe that this is where we are in the, in our country. It just is weird. And I, I contribute because not even if the pandemic, this, that's naturally who I am. I love being by myself, but 
all this other stuff that's surrounding it, it's just weird to me. I, I really, I'm still not over how they're mistreating um, Kamala. Like she's been resort designated to being just a whore who slept her way up to the top. I can't imagine them but talking that, about you know, Hillary Clinton that way. I couldn't imagine that happening. But I, the, what I don't get is. So I've never heard that before, right? But she slept her way to the top. So slept her way to the top for who? All her voters? Like, how do you sleep your way to the top? Well, because because you're an elected official as the district attorney, you're elected official as the state's attorney, you're elected official as a U.S. attorney, and then you're an elected official as a representative as as a senator. So I would have to sleep with thousands upon thousands of people to sleep my way to the top. <laughs> you see, that, that, that it, don't even make not, sense as an argument. It's, it's, I see seeds being planted by the others, but it's us that's carrying the conversation. Yeah, and it's interesting if it's people that actually do sleep around that's having this conversation. Mm-hmm. 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 This lady's married with no kids. She has none besides her right. stepkids, and mm-hmm. she's the target of this. Yeah, and and the, when the, the people that's talking about this got five kids and four different baby fathers, but they speak about her as if she's some thirty-year-old woman on the rise, sleeping her way to the top, some sex in the city woman. And she's not and thirty; she's in her fifties. Like, give it up, right? At this point, right. it's they, over. She lived her life. Mention, they keep making mention to the men that she date being so much older than she is. But there and is no more. The the, the problem with that synopsis is that you're talking about her past and today she's married so that's mm. over so what are you saying why are you talking about her past her past doesn't impl- it doesn't imply anything about what she's trying to do today it's just like just like the crime the bill just to go back to the crime right. bill with biden that past stuff does not influence what happens today and that past stuff is also something that we wanted back in nine in the 90s so we're afraid to, to leave out the house sometimes. Exactly. Right. We knew how the drug epidemic, the pain epidemic, because that was the epidemic itself, was right. in our communities. Crackheads on every corner, crackheads buying from on every corner. And then you got to, you can't forget about the dealers also being black. Right. That are affecting your community in the negative. You wanted them locked up. I know I did. And I do sometimes. I, mean, I still do today. In our neighborhood, it was affecting our neighborhood, right? You know, and those were you your know, parents at that time. Epidemic. And this is a very real thing because. But he takes the know, guff because he's a white man that locked up a whole bunch of black people. He takes that in stride. Well, I don't believe he should have because it was so many of us that actually propped that bill up to be passed. Or it wouldn't have never been passed. But we're defending, but it's, it feels like, again, we're defending individuals. Yes, they're black. Yes, they're male, mostly, that sold drugs, that got the brunt of the, the, the punishment for it. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, for me, my mother has been a foster parent since I was young. So we got plenty of the crack babies. Mm-hmm. And they are, they to be in the midst of someone who was born addicted to drugs, it is devastating. It is devastating to watch grow, and they have emotions that come from nowhere, other than being born addicted to drugs. Like that's a real thing, and and I don't I don't. We defend criminal behavior so much. Because many of us benefited, I, I'm, I can say that you know, I had you know an uncle that was a kingpin, so I, I know what that like. We didn't want for anything, so I know what that feels like. But it's still, it's weird to watch and listen pe- listen to people defend that. It's just, you know, now I understand a little bit more about the black on black violence. We can't cry about police officers beating us up if we're not willing to deal with our own killing us. And that's not me then jumping sides and I'm not a blue lives matter person at all. 
But the reality is we cannot continue to defend behavior that does not like totally uplift us and such. So it's just weird to me that we defend and bash someone like Kamala, somebody like our district, our state's attorney here, Mosby, you know, we, we bash them. And it's so, but it's, it's still different how we bash mm-hmm. black women. It is, it's horrendous. It's, it's heartbreaking. It really is. It just, it, it breaks, it just breaks my heart because if you don't agree with her politics, that's one thing, but it's just weird. We didn't, I mean, Hillary got a lot. Yeah, but nobody brought up her sexual activity. Nobody brought up, you know, her inability or the stuff that you hear. Like, people are really calling her a whore. Like, and there's no information that could even come close to defining her as a whore. That's, that's, I, I, I hate how elections have run. I keep saying the elections have become more about running the race than the responsibility of that position. Mm. And I think a lot of people are going to get distracted and a lot more of those same people are going to get voted right back into office because we're focused on Trump. And this is, he did this. He know what he's doing. He's great at marketing. And I just, I, I fear another four years of him. Unfortunately, we have a lot of people that are not going to vote or who are going to vote for a person. We don't even know their last name. They just go vote to be voting. Mm. This is crazy. So am I right in thinking that they are getting rid of the Electoral College? Or is that no. a myth? That's a myth. It's still under, it's still on examination. But it hasn't been. May not even affect this election. Though. Right. You think it's definitely not why he in office. That's how he won last time by the Electoral College. You need to definitely not go sign no law, no nothing into law that's going to prevent him from winning. Because he's not going he's not going to win the popular vote this time. Even if he wins, he's not going to win it by popularity. He will become president. I can't even speak that into it's the, a de facto win, a de facto win. But it's it's many people saying. I mean, and and these individuals, I'm listening to them because those are going to be the people who determine the win. Mm-hmm. But they feel like this man has done something great for us in these last four years. And it's and so I funny. He keeps saying he keeps saying that too that he's done. He's done the most for black people since Abraham Lincoln. And then the only thing he says is that he signed a bill for HBCU. But you forget, you didn't write that bill. Right. You didn't write that. You did not do that for us. And you wrote a bill for HBCU in the midst of a pandemic. That that we can't even go to school on. (laughs) Right. They're closing down the school. So are you going to save the schools? I got a. Did you get a letter from the White House? I wish I would. About what? About the stimulus package. Uh uh. No. I got a letter in the mail. And I'm probably going to have to read it on Monday. I think I left it home. But it was a letter from, it said White House at the top. Mm -hmm. And it was basically, I guess it was basically blaming. The Democrats for it may have been a fake letter. Oh no, I um, need to see that blame, letter. I need you to take a picture of that letter and send it to me. You said what? Well, yeah, need yeah you I'm to take a picture I'm of that letter and send it to me. Because he didn't use. So you trying to tell me he used um, White House stationery to send a letter to you? Because it looked very. I mean, it looked legit. Because it confirmed that my taxes have been filed for last year. And, and why would that? But, but yeah, that would be a, a very bad mistake 
if you got a letter from the White House about your taxes? I'm going to say... Because it said the, the, the first line was like, your stimulus package is fair. And I was like, no, your, your stimulus package has arrived. Did you get a stimulus payment? Yeah, I did. I oh. got, but I, you know, I had to, I did mine late. So I got mine a lot later than. Oh, okay. Then maybe that's why you else. got. Like, I just got mine. But still, it shouldn't have came from the White House. That The letter would have, should have came from the Treasury. Yeah, but at the top, and I'm, I, I, I meant to bring it today. I was watching, <laughs> but I'm, I'm gonna take a picture of it and send it to you because you might be about to get your one too. Yeah, as I found my lawsuit. <laughs> for them, I, I for them looking know, at my personal at the record, top of the letter, it, it wasn't even. But you know what? It wasn't even uh, letter size. Like the paper wasn't even like a legal letter size, like a postcard. But I just no. It was I mean, a like a paper, um, a note card. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was like a small notepad size, oh, and I just remember at the top of the paper it had like the information on the side, but it said White House mm. from the White House, and I was like, "This is weird." But I'm a, I'm a, when I get home tonight, that's gonna be the first thing I do is send that to you. Um, I'm gonna send that to you. Mm-hmm. I want to see that because that was so weird to me because I thought it was the second stimulus, the second <laughs> stimulus check cover. No, that didn't get approved. But it was not that at all. <laughs> it was. I was so upset. So, <laughs> so upset. I told you. But it didn't even take that. It took my once I did my test. It took a month. It was like within that month. Well, mm-hmm. at the end of that month, that following month that I got mine. But people were saying it was like months and they was waiting weeks and weeks and weeks mm-hmm. for it. I guess because I did it after everybody. It didn't take that long. And mine was a paper check. Did you file your taxes first and then got that letter? Yeah, I just got the letter this week. Uh, maybe that's why. I'm, yeah, I don't. I uh-huh. can't. But you had already got a stimulus, so I don't know why you would got a letter too. No, but it said your your stimulus package has arrived. But oh, but again, maybe, I didn't, maybe it, it was just confirmation that you had already got it. Looked it looked like it would have been. Maybe it was just confirmation that you had already got it. I'm a I'm a yeah. I'm gonna send it to you because it wasn't anything personal. It it didn't. It wasn't even. It was like a. It seemed like a stock message. It mm-hmm. didn't even seem like a message for. Like for me, right? Like it seemed like they sent the same letter to everybody and yeah. just put my name on it, and that was it. But yeah, but um, hmm. yeah. Well, all I can say is just um, you know, just to everybody in your audience, make sure y'all um, if you're in Maryland, that you have to sign up to get your mail-in ballot. They're not just going to automatically send them to you. I've said this once before, but yeah, well, you have, have to, to go, go to, to that website. You have to go to Motor Vehicles website and sign up for a mail and ballot. Okay. Will it? Will it what? So we. So this is just a regular mail and ballot, or we have to drop it off? Because I know well, they're, they're, they're going to they're send them out thirty to forty five days before election day. You should get them probably late September, beginning of October, for you to put them in the mail. Mm. I know you're right. Um, but this has been an unfortunate. Not gonna say unfortunate, mm-hmm. but this um being in my in my bag, so to speak. Um. I'm gonna come back Monday a lot different. I just I didn't deal with it, and I thought today was going to be different. I think because things didn't happen or line up. Um, but I'm gonna be back. Um, next up is Cocktail Social. They got some salaciousness that's about to happen on that show tonight, and it is what it is. Radio. They come in tonight, right? Um, so yeah. if you are looking for a space to be able to do your show, um, a space that you um, you have shot, you 
Tell you already and you're looking for a new home, we are Big Souls Radio. You can email us at info at bigsoulsradio.com in the subject line to say I want to show um, and we'll get back to you at our earliest convenience. Don't forget every Monday and Friday, tune into the Artist Exchange Radio Show at 5 p.m. sharp. Unless Moni got a date or something, then it might be 505 or something. Uh, but uh, but um, yeah, I'm I am good. I just need a just a moment just to get myself together and um, just deal with it. It's, death is not for human consumption, um, but unfortunately, we're all going to have to drink from that cup at some point um, and hopefully later than sooner. <laughs> um, but yeah, again, this has been the Artist Exchange Radio Show. Um, I'm going to share this out as much as I can after the show. I didn't give a chance to share it out as much. So if you're watching the show after the fact, uh, please continue to share, like, subscribe, all those things to Big Exposes uh, um, YouTube page. We're at a thousand, over a thousand subscriptions right now. So we just need to rev up our, our time and then you can get monetized and such. Uh, so definitely stay tuned, stay locked in. Again, up next at 7 o'clock, you'll hear from uh, Cocktail Social. And then at 9, you'll hear from It Is What It Is Radio Show. And this has been the Artist Exchange Radio Show, only on BigSchoolsRadio.com. So let's get off. It's easy with the shutdown. <laughs> Peace out.